Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 334 with Matt Mullenweg of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. What's going on, Founder Fam? Nathan Chan here, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine. Welcome back to another episode. Today's guest is Matt Mullenweg, incredible founder. Uh, you, I hope, know him. You might not. If you don't, uh, he created a company called Automatic. And uh under auto, the under automatic umbrella, they have um, some incredible companies like WordPress, which powers thirty-eight uh, percent of the internet uh, of websites, and yeah, they also acquired um, WooCommerce, massive, massive company. We use WooCommerce um, for our checkout carts at Founder, which is crazy. Uh, also acquired Tumblr. And uh, yeah, we talk about acquisitions, we talk about remote working, they have over a thousand employees in 77 different countries, they've been doing remote working for a very, very long time, we talk about how culture spreads, we talk about off-sites, how you run them, we also talk about um, subscription services and the rise of the individual creator and where Matt thinks things are going there. And so much more. So guys, if you are enjoying these episodes, please do leave us a review. It helps us more than you can imagine. Please share this with a friend. Okay, guys, that's it from me. Now jump with the show. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. No problem. It's a pleasure being here. Yeah, so um, look, the first question I ask everyone that uh, we interview and speak to is, how did you get your job? How did I get my job? Well, I guess I created it. It was, um, I was 
going to college, building websites for fun. I was a working musician, so I played saxophone and um, just wanted better software for the, the websites I was building. And I was blogging myself. My friends wanted to blog. So just started working on modifying and hacking around with blog software. Yeah, wow. And when, when was that? Like, when did you start? So that was probably like 2001 to 2002. I ended up co-founding WordPress in 2003. And then I founded my company, Automatic, in 2005. I see. And um, you've been a champion. Like, I'd love to talk to you about remote working um, because you've been a champion uh, of remote working long, well before COVID. Why, why is that? Like, uh, you know, what, what have the benefits been for your company? You have over a thousand employees now all around the world in 77 different cities. Um, yeah. Yeah. 77 countries, actually. I think it's, uh, hundreds of cities. There's, um, I'm, I'm very, I'm a pragmatist, right? So when we were starting out open source, uh, people collaborate all over the world, just like uh, people who edit the Wikipedia, you know, probably never met each other. They're from all over. And, um, when you start working this way, you see just how many brilliant people there are everywhere, you know, um, that there's, there's really smart and talented people everywhere. So that was already happening with WordPress. When the company started, we thought, well, let's just keep doing this. A lot of people thought it wouldn't work. And, you know, I wasn't even sure it would work, but it just kept working. And we were always very open-minded saying if this stops working at some point, you know, if we can't create an internet changing company, if we're being held back on innovation, if we have a bad culture, maybe we'll try to get an office or move to something. But yeah, we're now over 1300 people and I really see no ceiling for it. I could easily imagine us as a 10 or 50,000 person company, um, totally distributed. So when you started back in the early 2000s, you guys were fully remote? Yeah. Yeah. For a long time, we'd get like a small office in San Francisco just for like investor meetings and things like that. But, um, yeah, we've never really had more than a few people in any physical space we've had. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. And uh, I suppose you still do. You do, do you guys do offsites every quarter and get everyone together? Like, and and like how many and how's that work? Yeah, pre-pandemic, we would try to get the whole company together once a year. Actually, this week is the week we would have all been together. So it's a little bit of a bummer because <laughs> that was always a lot of fun. And um, and then for individual teams, we try to get them together two or three times per year. So you'd see your small team, you know, which is like 10 people a couple times a year, and then the whole company maybe once a year or your whole division once a year. Yeah, wow. Um, and that must be like crazy to coordinate now, right? <laughs> well, before well, pre-pandemic, yeah. So. Yeah, but pre-pandemic, that must have been crazy to coordinate. We have a really talented events team, so they have gotten pretty good at it. I won't say it's not really hard. It seems like an incredible amount of work. But as the experience of an attendee, it was very, very smooth. Uh, the last one we did was in um, uh, Florida, in Orlando, at kind of a Disney uh, hotel. And we took over yeah. the entire hotel, which was yeah. kind of fun because everyone you'd see there was uh, was an automatician or what we call people that work at Automatic. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I've, um, I've been to a conference there. They often have conferences at Disney in Florida. Yeah, no, that's cool. It so really nice. <laughs> yeah, I remember no, one outing awesome. we went to like Harry Potter World. We had it all to ourselves for an evening and it was just really fun. So people were riding on the different rides and eating the food. And it was just, uh, I guess normally it's not open at nighttime and it was just us. So again, really fun. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Um, so I guess like, you know, for, for many people watching this, they may be in the early 
starting stages of, you know, starting their company, growing their company. You know, when it comes to hiring and, and building teams, um, you know, you, you, you would be hiring people that you will have never met in person, right? And you yeah. guys have been doing that for a long time. What things do you do within Automatic to make sure the culture spreads? I don't think we have to do anything particular to make sure the culture spreads because the culture happens with every single interaction you have with your customers or what that your colleagues have with each other. Um, you know, the culture is defined by all of those micro interactions far more than any poster on the wall or state of values. It's really how the values are enacted. So, of course, we have our we have a creed at the company. You can go to automatic.com slash creed, which is kind of things we really believe in and try to live by. You know, we I do town halls once a month where I talk about what's important to us and all. But all of that honestly doesn't matter. What really matters is how each person that works for Automatic treats each other and our customers every day. And that I'm actually quite proud of. And that happens just as easily virtually as it does in person. In fact, I would argue most companies how they treat their customers is not an in-person thing anymore, at least, at least tech companies. Do you think companies should, like if they're in the early days, be thinking about values like that early or like straight away? Like, because that's a tricky one. Like I know personally when we started our company, like it took me a while to think about values and all those kinds of things. And yeah, then really encourage and live, like encourage like our, our team to, to live by them and acknowledge them and, and endorse them and, and yeah. Um, well, you have values, whether they're explicit or not. <laughs> so <laughs> everything you do as a leader and shows what your values are. Um, I don't think you need to spend a ton of time early on, like making your own. Right? You could just pick some from another company, <laughs> Automatic, Amazon. Everyone publishes their values. So just find one that really resonates with you and use that as a starting point. And then alongside your team, evolve it as you grow, right? Because every company is different. But a lot of things are pretty consistent, you know, like almost every company, I imagine every company would say like they value diversity or they value, you know, being inclusive to different types of voices and different people participating. So those types of things, I wouldn't say spend so much, don't spend so much time like writing your own version of it. <laughs> Find what the best version is on the Internet that someone shared and uh, adopt that. Yeah, got you. Yeah, look, I think you're right. Like, you know, if you look at Amazon values, you see bits and pieces around commitment, ownership teamwork, all these things like learning or self-development, all these, all these great qualities that, um, you know, makes great, great teams. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with that. So um, when it comes, I guess, to the future of the office, then from your perspective, what does that look like? I know you said that you guys um, every now and then had uh, an office in San Fran for investor meetings. Um, but do you think like that's going, like remote's going to be the way forward? Well, you know, right now, it's before it was nice to have an office for board meetings, you know, so we get you know, the team together, um, investors and some clients. You know, we have an enterprise business that, you know, works with some of the largest companies in the world, Facebook, Salesforce, et cetera. And so they like to meet in person. And I feel like mm -hmm. they trust you a little more if you have an office. So all those things were useful. All those things are kind of gone or happening virtually now. We actually did most of our board meetings on Zoom for probably more than five or six years now. So uh, that's been kind of the standard. Um, I'm looking forward to getting together in person again for some of these things, but I'm not sure how or when that will be. Yeah, look, um, one thing that I find interesting uh, from my own experience when it comes to office, you know, just the, 
the collaboration and the creativity that happens with ev when everyone's in the room. I think there's something very special about that. And I think um, I, I know now, like, and I, I think it's smart that you make sure that like this, your, your teams catch up in person like two to three times a year because that, that's, that part is special. Um, and I do agree that, you know, you can't go, I think, fully remote. Um, or you could, but I just think that, that you start to lose some of the benefits of it. I would disagree. <laughs> oh, really? I think because we're seeing that this year. We've started yeah. doing the meetups online. I do agree that there's something a little bit better. And if you can't get together in person, you should do it. But don't feel like you're losing anything by being remote. You can look at what you liked about being in person. Maybe it was the hanging out time. Maybe it was playing games together. Maybe it was shared experiences. Maybe it was watching a movie together. You can do those things online now. And so I would challenge you or anyone listening to this, to if there's something you miss about being in person, try to recreate it online with your friends or your colleagues. And you'd be surprised by how valuable it can be. And you can really build a ton of trust, a ton of closeness, a ton of uh, amazing communication on audio, video, et cetera, um, online. The tools are so good now. It's it's kind of amazing. Yeah, interesting. Um, so do you think that going forward, many startups will keep moving away from, you know, these crazy offices, campuses and stuff like that? Even before the pandemic, I was most of the startups that I was hearing pitches from or investing in were already doing it, you know, just because you want your money even if you raise money or if you're bootstrapping, you want to go towards creating an amazing product, not towards your landlords, right? We don't need <laughs> yeah. land. And that's so much of it, both directly and indirectly. So if you were going to build a, you know, office-based startup in San Francisco, you're both paying a ton to a landlord for the office itself and way overpaying. But then you also have to pay more to each person for them to pay their landlords to live within distance of the office. So it's a huge waste. Um, it's kind of a hidden tax, and it's kind of shocking to think probably 20 or 30% of all the money raised by San Francisco companies was just going directly to landlords. It had nothing to do with creating a great user experience or product. Yeah, no, it's a great way to look at things. Um, so I'd love to switch gears and uh, you know talk about angel investment um, because I know that you are an active angel investor, and um, I'm curious, like, as a founder, what, what do you look for uh, in terms of qualities or traits when it comes to investing in, in businesses or the founder? Because uh, I think there's a lot of things happening right now, a lot of companies being started. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear like what your take is there. You know, I'm a, I'm a tech enthusiast <laughs> and I have an engineering background and I'm always playing around and tinkering with technology and apps and websites. So a lot of my investments are just things I enjoy using, you know, like Calm maybe being a good example. Like I've used Calm hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times at this point, like hundreds of days, you know, for many years. And so that's a really big part of my life. So it feels great to be able to, and very early on to have, you know, put some money into that when no one really thought that my meditation app could be a business. Um, so a lot of the investments are, are just things I think are, are cool or want to use myself. Or sometimes I use the filter of if I weren't doing WordPress, would I want to work on this? Is that that cool of an idea? And, um, and yeah, that's often part of it. I also try to support people, my friends who I might be friends with some of the entrepreneurs just outside of, outside of whatever they're doing. So the few folks that I'll probably invest in whatever they do 
even if I think it's cool enough <laughs> just to support, you know, um, my friend Heaton or someone like that, you know, I'd be like, oh, yeah, uh, they're just good, solid people. And uh, I want to be there for whatever the journey they're on. That's a much smaller number. I only have a few friends that close, but um, it's definitely some of that. Yeah. And when when it comes to kind of investing in uh, companies, you're, it sounds like are you more pro product, problem, and market and scratching own each versus the founder um, and yeah. Um, you know, if it's a founder who I'm close to otherwise, then it's probably the founder first. Other than that, I say I really do look at the product and the technology and the user experience and probably some personal bias towards areas I like. You know, like I really like smart home automation. I really love open source. I really love companies that are distributed, which I guess is every company now, but like before <laughs> you had to be. So those types of things were, were just, you know, my personal interest. And so that would always um, you know, I get a million emails about companies and those would help rise to the top of the stack. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And, um, I'm curious as well, like, uh, when it comes to web development, um, like you, you, are one of the pioneers of blogging, what do you think is next? Where do you see things going? Yeah, I think the biggest, the biggest thing is this new thing we created called Gutenberg for WordPress. So you might have seen it since WordPress 5.0 as the block editor. So basically, we've we've kind of redone what used to be a document model for the web and transformed it to be a block-based model. And these blocks are think of them like little Lego blocks that you you develop a library of them and you can use them to build anything you imagine. And when you get good at this block editor in WordPress, you can look at literally any website on the web, kind of squint a little. And figure out how they built it. And you can recreate the same thing, just clicking around and making blocks. And so much like original WYSIWYG editors um, or visual editors would allow people to, who never would have published or learned HTML to create really cool things, we're seeing that happen now with the WordPress block editor. That it, uh, that's why we call it Gutenberg because it's, it's, we think it's going to bring a, a revolution uh, to what people are creating online, which I think we need because the social networks where a lot of people publish are so cookie cutter. Everyone looks the same. You read an article on Medium, you don't remember who the author was because they all look the same. There's no personality to it. So I'm very, very excited that more and more people are are starting or restarting their websites that allow a lot more customization and just a lot more fun. Yeah, that's interesting. So really, because um, look, we're, we're on WordPress, um, you know, on Alexa, we're ranked in, I think, top 10, 15,000 in the world. Cool. And That's awesome. Powered by, powered by you guys. And um, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm well, well beyond now kind of the maintenance of the site and stuff. But I remember back in the day, you know, like when we started the, you know, our, our, our WordPress site, um, yeah, you couldn't do kind of that modular. So it's more kind of drag and drop. And like, it's, it's just easier to build. We're, we're really working at making it even easier. <laughs> you know, there was, there's a lot of really great page builders for WordPress, but each one would do something different, you know, like a Divi or a Beaver builder. And um, now we're trying to standardize that so that, you know, you could still have one of these plugins to customize it extra, but there's kind of a standard way that everything can integrate with all the themes can support um, e-commerce like WooCommerce can support. And that's, that's really exciting. I guess that's the other big trend we're seeing is, is with WooCommerce. So it's a plugin for WordPress that transforms it into a store. 
and any kind of store. So you could do like bookings for seats in a restaurant. You could sell digital goods. You could sell physical goods. You could, you know, have meetings. You know, you could be like a coach and sell things through there, be a photographer and book weddings through there. And just the growth of that, particularly post-pandemic, has been like nothing I've ever seen in my career. Like it, it is, um, if you look at the numbers for like a Shopify or other, like similar things are happening with WooCommerce and it's exciting because it's all open source. It's all built on WordPress. So I would say anyone listening that is thinking about setting it, selling something online, um, try out WooCommerce. And particularly if you've hit like the ceiling of a Shopify, lots of sites are switching over. And that's also pretty cool to see because that means there's more open source in the world. Yeah. So look, we're users of WooCommerce. Um, and uh, I'd love to hear kind of, you, you guys uh, acquired WooCommerce. Um, that, that was a smart move. Why, why, like I'd love to talk to you about some of these acquisitions. Um, so yeah, why, like why did you acquire WooCommerce? Yeah, we've done two really big acquisitions, which were WooCommerce in 2015 and then Tumblr, which was just about a year ago now. And with both, um, we saw an opportunity where you know a team had created something pretty, pretty special that had a lot of traction in the real world. Um, but we felt that we could bring something to bear on it that would accelerate it even more. So the past five years of WooCommerce, we've been basically doing what we did the first five years of WordPress, right? We try to make it easier to use, super secure, super scalable, well integrated with SaaS services to make. Things like taxes, analytics, shipping easier, payments. So we're, we're just kind of doing the same playbook we did with WordPress and kind of similar for Tumblr. <laughs> we're saying, hey, this is a, a really popular site with a great community that has a really novel interaction mechanism, um, but struggling making money, you know, and with stability and, and things like that. So um, we're taking everything we've learned building WordPress and applying it to Tumblr. And also giving that team, that team had been a little star for resources. So we're trying to get them the support they need as well, um, just with the existing people to scale and, you know, really flourish. Yeah, look, a few, few things I'd like to unpack there. Um, first one, I guess, is, yeah, look, I, I, um, I, I, as a user, and especially, like I said, I'm not so much on the tools anymore, but I do know when it comes to looking at, I guess, when people are looking to set up their site and they're looking to launch their business, you know, if you do have an e-commerce business, you could go to Shopify. Um, you know, while it is easy, the, the I reckon one of the biggest problems and the challenges they would have is the blogging and 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 that aspect of the business um, because it's just harder to rank, right? And then you mm. could, or you could use the alternative where it's WordPress. Um, you could use WooCommerce. You have way more power in terms of customization and playing with things. With Gutenberg now, you can really build and customize your site, and it's obviously a lot more user friendly and, and a little more less intimidating. Um, I'm curious, kind of, I guess, with like uh, you know everything you guys have done with WooCommerce, and then there's Tumblr. Um, how do you plan to you know have a really strong monetization for that? Sure. So for WooCommerce, how we make money is you can buy extensions. So kind of like add-ons to customize your store. And um, that's the main business model, actually. So, you know, lots of people, it's, it's, I think, easier to make money with WooCommerce than WordPress because everyone who uses WooCommerce is also making money. So, you know, paying 
couple hundred dollars to, to build the site or host the site, it isn't a too bad versus they might have a different decision for the blog. Uh, for Tumblr, the primarily, the first way we're making money is through advertising. Um, it's a social network, so just advertising is, is kind of the standard. But what I'm actually excited doing after that is using WooCommerce to allow Tumblr users to monetize as well. So there's a ton of creators on there. And we want to make it for them to be able to have really easy membership sites. So, you know, content behind a tier. And then you can still read all that in the Tumblr app. So it's easy to follow everything um, or sell things, you know, whether that's digital goods or physical goods. Um, we've gotten really good at e-commerce. So we can open that up. Tumblr has so many creatives on it. It's like kind of incredible. Um, the art that you see generated there and the music and the everything. So I think... Much like the mission of like a Spotify or a Patreon or someone like that, like we want to enable creatives to do the thing they love. And that's really a big part of my life's work is building the tools that lets people express themselves. Yeah, no, that's fascinating Um, because the creator movement is massive now and you see these uh, tribes forming like and it doesn't have to be even you know these massive tribes forming if you're a creator to have like you don't need hundreds of thousands of people in your community um, I really like uh, Kevin Kelly's uh, 1000 true fans um, that ideology of you only need you know a thousand people that would be prepared to pay you a hundred dollars a year to make a full-time income and if you can just focus on your 1000 true fans and like I think that's something definitely that we are seeing, you know, post pandemic. That um, well, we're not post, but during this pandemic, is that more than ever um, there's these creator communities forming and more creators more than ever, and and people looking to mo- like, I don't know, I don't know if monetize is the best word, but kind of further you know, support their community or provide value to their community through the form of digital or physical products, whether that's ebooks, whether that's online courses, online courses has absolutely exploded now, or whether it's physical products, even merch. Sure. <laughs> we sold WordPress merch for a long time. We're about to actually start selling Tumblr merch again. Um, and all those things you just said, you can do with WooCommerce. There's a plugin called Sensei, which is great for online courses. You can do tons of digital stuff, membership sites, like, and that's just, I don't think that's going to change, you know? Mm, yeah, I'm definitely seeing a rise in membership sites as well at the moment. A lot of, yeah, kind of lower ticket, lower ticket, you know, $100 a year, $50 a year type membership. Yeah. We have this new thing called WooCommerce Payments that just makes payments so smooth, both setting it up and then accepting them. And so I think when you can lower that friction, all of a sudden it doesn't, you know, maybe if I'm a big fan of your writing, I, it's not a big deal to me to give 50 bucks a year or something to support that. And maybe I get access to some special things, maybe I don't. I'm a big user of Patreon, actually. I support a lot of people on there. Oh, um, really? A few different sites like that. Yeah, I'm just, I just want to see more of the stuff I like in the world, <laughs> whether it's a comic book artist or sci-fi. I love Kickstarters. I love GoFundMe. Like these things are always fun uh, to be able to, even if it's a little bit, you know, just a few dollars to be able to support a creator that you really admire or look up to. If a lot, enough people do that, it can really unlock a lot of um, a lot of potential in the world. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, community, like create creative community, is awesome, and the movement. Um, I'm a big fan of it too, and yeah, we we want to try and enable as many people as we can. Found it on the education side, um, 
But I'm curious, like right now with automatic, um, what are your biggest challenges? Uh, what like uh, with a company of your size? Um, what 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 are you guys kind of struggling with, or, or what what are the challenges that you're working through right now? You know, people is the most important thing. Um, so we're hiring quite a bit. Hired, I think, 37 people last month. So you know, getting lots of. If you're listening to this, and automatic sounds like a place you might do your best work of your career, apply. Uh, we're hiring quite a bit for almost every role. Um, then I think a lot about how do we make our existing people better? How do we get them access to training, to coaching, to online learning, to different tools for collaboration, et cetera, to help them be able to do the best work of their career, right? Because that's really what we aspire to. And I think what people feel good doing as well. Um, I guess the final thing that's on my mind a lot is just all the things around the product. <laughs> I'm probably the unhappiest WordPress user in the world. I only see the flaws. And uh, we've got some exciting stuff coming around the bin, but it's hard for me to remain patient, you know, especially when I know what's coming. Um, I get very, uh, very excited to ship things faster. And I guess that brings us probably the biggest challenge, which is the entire world is facing, is the pandemic. Um, you know, it's hit us pretty hard as well. I have lots of colleagues for whom, you know, they've caught it or they have friends or loved ones or their kids are home from school. And so their home situation is all different. And um, I think that everyone's operating a little, little below their normal sort of maximum and maybe feeling a little more on edge, a little more stressed, you know, just because the world's so out of control. Um, I hope that as we exit this year and enter next year, that 2021 is just going to be the greatest years of humanity. <laughs> you know, it kind of shows our resilience, the ingenuity, when you get the whole world working together, what we can accomplish. And my hope is that, you know, as we overcome this obstacle, um, which is just so crucial to do, you know, just for the saving human lives, if nothing else, and so many other reasons, it'll inspire us to think of other big problems like climate change, you know, division in politics, uh, places where we still have no access to basic human dignity and services, um, that we can start to tackle some of those as well, because we'll see what we can do when we work together. Yeah, look, I, I love your take there. And I think, yeah, really the only way forward is unity, right? I don't know if it's unity, but just like rowing in the same direction, right? We want different approaches. We want debate. We want all of that. But um, if you think about it, why open source is so successful is it's essentially a hack that gets competitors working together, you know, uh, instead of think of all the people who can sell you WordPress hosting, Bluehost, SiteGround, GoDaddy, Web.com, Yahoo, like there's a million places you can get WordPress. Now, if they were all building their own content management systems, there'd be instead of one WordPress, there'd be 100 smaller ones, none of them that were very good. But because we kind of all agreed, we said, okay, let's work together on this one thing. And we've been able to make it far better than any of us would have been able to create on our own. And uh, that's really the power of open source. And it's what I plan to dedicate the rest of my life to, is creating as much open source software as possible. Yeah, wow. It's amazing. Um, one thing that you said to me before, which I'd love to just kind of tap onto, was this idea how you said that you're, you're, you're the most frustrated WordPress user. Because, um, like, you know, WordPress, 
powers how like it, how how much of the internet like how many websites what what percentage about about thirty eight percent now yeah, incredible like incredible um so obviously you've got an extremely scalable product that many people are happy with and I think it's a common thing that happens in the founder's mind is like. I can't wait until this happens and you're frustrated or you're, or you're, you're ashamed that this thing is out there and you've got to fix it you got, and, then, and it just keeps happening. Do you think that will ever go away? I mean, it hasn't yet. <laughs> it's funny. Like I, I am obsessed not by the 38% but by the 62 that's not using WordPress yet. Mm. Yeah, the 62%. And so I, it's amazing to me how far WordPress has come when there's so much still to improve in the product and the user experience. So I see that as, as a responsibility. You know, everyone who's um, chosen WordPress thus far, it's our responsibility to make it the best possible software they could ever do. I want to, do, I want to honor that choice. I want to do right by it. So thank you for choosing WordPress and WooCommerce. I want you to be so happy about that choice, not just now, but five years, 15 years, maybe 30 years in the future. Be like, wow, how great it was that in 2015, I hitched my horse to the WordPress wagon or whenever it was you started using it. And um, to make you still as happy in 2040 as you were in 2015, uh, we need to work really hard. Right, because the world's moving quickly; it's changing. When WordPress started, there was no iPhone. <laughs> JavaScript, there was barely any JavaScript on web pages. Like, you know, we've we've adapted to so many different technological trends, and instead we remain relevant. And I plan for us to. It's that we're going to adapt to the future ones as well. You know, I I really appreciate your your passion for product development and caring about your customers and caring about your users um, and people that use your product. Um, but from the sounds of it, like. What I'm hearing, you know, and you've been doing this for a while, Matt, is is that it's never enough. Well, I think I think you can always improve things. You know, you can always learn. And humanity is advancing. Technology is advancing every day, maybe faster than it ever has. So um, the sort of, uh, what's it called? The adjacent possible. So like what has all the things that's happened so far in the world, what does that make possible next? It's always evolving. So that, to me, I find that very exciting. It's not that it's never enough. It's that it is enough and there's more. <laughs> and so there's an amazing reason to get out of bed uh, in the morning. And, um, you know, it's also not just me. So I think what I find super motivating isn't just the product. It's really the people. You know, I get to go to work every day with some of the smartest, kindest, most empathetic, most creative people I've ever met in my whole life. And I've met hundreds of thousands of people at this point in conferences and things. So um, that to me is also really motivating. So to make stuff you like that other people like too with people who you enjoy being in the trenches with and working really hard alongside is, um, is my idea of a great time. So I'll, I'll keep doing this as long as they let me. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, because look, I think that is a common thing that, that you know, if someone's, it's an obsession, it's got to be an obsession, right? But it's got to be a healthy obsession, but you're always telling yourself like, oh, as soon as we get this happening, things will be better or like, and you can't wait and then you launch it and then it gets better, but then it's then you're on to the next thing. And it's always humbling or it is humbling to hear that, you know, someone that's been at this game for a long time, you still have that itch. Yeah. I think the key to making it sustainable is not always thinking that they'll at some point you'll be done or it'll be better. Mm. 
It'll always hopefully get better. Sometimes it'll get way worse, actually. So that it's, progress doesn't happen in a straight line. But whatever's happening is okay. And just be at peace with it. Just be still. Just be present. And if you can do that, it kind of removes that worrying about the past or anxiety about the future. And that is the state at which you'll be able to create the future the best. So, yeah, just look, we have to work towards wrapping up. But um, one thing I'd love to touch on with you just before we wrap is, is um, you know, the challenge that you said around, like, you know, your people, making them better, helping them, you know, continue to do the best work of their career at Automatic and finding great people. Um, what are the things that you've seen uh, over your career uh, that you have done to kind of find great people and continue to attract great talent? Because that is inherently like one of the biggest competitive advantages you can have in any industry. Blogging. Really? So, uh, and using WordPress, of course. But, you know, we share our story and we try to share as much as possible. I've blogged myself, you know, since before Automatic started. And so by sharing what I learn, by, you know, talking about our worldview, talking about why we do things, that attracts the people who like the same things or care about the same things. I mean, Automatic's not right for everyone in the world to work. Um, a lot of people probably wouldn't even enjoy it, but uh, there's probably 100,000 or a million people who would be amazing <laughs> at the company. And so we just need to somehow find our way to them and let them know that this is a place that they can apply to and get a job and like stay maybe even for decades as we've had a number of people uh, at the company now for well over 10 years. So that's, um, I think blogging is the best way to do that. Um, I also do interviews like this, you know, doing a little bit of press every now and then try not to spend too much time on it, right? Cause it, it can be a distraction from your customers. But, uh, I was actually doing customer support right before this on live chat and I, I had to pass over the chats because this was starting. <laughs> so uh, I was able to transfer it to some colleagues. But, you know, that it is uh, it is helpful. Hopefully, you know, maybe you have 10,000 people or 100,000 people that hear this. Maybe one of them says, oh, you know, I want to build the open web and the future of, of work and all that and, and checks out the website, learns about what we're about, and then maybe someday applies. Yeah, love it. And when it comes to, like, making your people better besides, you know, coaching, investing in their learning and development, like what can people do? I don't think you can make people better. They have to want to make themselves better. And if so, there's no limit. So we think a lot about um, the Daniel Pink uh, framework of creating a workplace that provides mastery, autonomy, and purpose. You know, uh, mastery being you're challenged, uh, autonomy being that, you know, you're able to do the work. <laughs> you're not like, don't have someone micromanaging you or you have all the tools you need. And then purpose, you know, working for something bigger than yourself is so important. And uh, for us, that's democratizing publishing. Uh, so if you get those three things there, people people can do amazing things. We also try to share the stories, you know, when, um, when someone maybe learns a new skill, we encourage them to share how they did it. Uh, we try to provide, you know, we allow anyone to expense attending conferences or any books they want. Anything that makes them better at their job, they can basically expense. And that's just showing that we value this. And I guess finally, also, coaching can be really, really valuable. Mm. So um, we uh, reimburse people, you know, getting professional coaching sessions. Uh, you know, someone totally outside of Automatic that's only working for them. And... Um, and that can be helpful as well. You know, if you think of every high performer in the world, every athlete, every musician, they had teachers and coaches, 
you know, some of them like a LeBron James might have 10 coaches. Like he might have a coach just for like doing this really fast or you know, something like that or coach just for shooting or things I can't even think of. And uh, so think about uh, for yourself, both, um, you know, if you can afford it, getting someone who can push you in a positive way um, on a personal basis. But I think also what's so cool about this day and age is like, I, you can learn so much from YouTube. You can learn so much from books and Wikipedia and everything else. So I have a ton of people I would consider mentors that I've never spoken to, right? But I've read every single one of their books. I, I know their work backwards and forwards. It could be someone that's not even alive anymore, like a Peter Drucker. Um, I'm a student of his, even though I've never and will never meet uh, him. I've read all his books and, well, not all his books, but I've read, you know, I've read thousands of, of, of things he's written. So I've really internalized that and I consider him a mentor. So think about that as well. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. We'll look up, we'll, we'll work towards wrapping up, mindful of your time. Um, last question is, where's the best place people can find out more about yourself and your work? Sure. My main blog is at ma.tt. No.com, no www, just type in ma.tt. And that's the best place. Uh, that links to my other social media, which is Photomat, P-H-O-T-O-M-A-T-T. And that's on Tumblr, that's on Instagram, and that's on Twitter. So same username across all three. And you know, please follow me at all of them. Finally, uh, I have a podcast too at distributed.blog. And that's basically, it started before the pandemic. I was interviewing other really successful distributed companies like uh, GitLab or Envision and seeing how they work. And uh, now all companies are doing this, but it's still pretty interesting. I try to get interesting guests like Adam Guazali, who's the head of neuroscience and writes about distractions. So um, really good stuff on there. I try to, that's another way we try to make people better is I try to interview folks that either we're going to make me better or I feel like would be really valuable to my colleagues or maybe and be really valuable to my colleagues. So check it out. Amazing. Well, look, Matt, thank you so much for your time. This is a fantastic interview and uh, yeah, Congratulations on all of your success. Uh, we're big fans of everything you're building and users. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, best of luck in your endeavors. Thank you. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in-depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.